You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Hi. So before we get started with the episode... One last shout out for the live event for the 100th episode of The Compass this Sunday. It's going to be November 19th at 7 p.m. at Arts on Site down in St. Mark's Place. It's a $15 suggested donation at the door. My guest is actor-choreographer Jesse J. Perez, who I'm so excited about. Samora Pinderhughes, who has been on the podcast before, will be performing a few songs. And Brendan Spieth will be there as well doing the theme music live and another song as well. Please come join us. I would love to be in the same room with as many creative, loving folks as possible. Send me an RSVP by email so I can save you a spot. It's thecompasslive at gmail.com. My guest today is Shalia Latour. Shalia is an actor who I was introduced to through Ceci Fernandez when I began looking for actors who were also activists. My guest today is Shalia Latour. Shalia is an actor who I was introduced to through Ceci Fernandez when I began looking for actors who were also activists. She was also in the Apprentice program at Actors Theatre of Louisville years ago when Frankie was doing a show there, so lots of intersections with people I love. She did a lot of activism while she was at the Yale School of Drama in graduate school and really helped to expand the conversation there on diversity and inclusion, not only in the students that they accept, but as well as... Um, the type of curriculum that they're teaching. So I'm excited for you to hear about that. So there are a few sound issues during this episode. Right towards the end, um, my batteries died for the first time ever in 99 episodes. And I had started recording with my phone shortly thereafter. So we just miss a short chunk. So I will record a little bridge and let you know what you missed there. Um, and then towards the beginning, there's also a, a mechanical kind of pulsing sound in the background, which sound, sounds almost like a comforting sci-fi creature is in the room with us, but that only lasts for the first 20 minutes. So it's a little bit of a sound adventure. I'm sorry, Shalia, but uh, you still get the meat of the conversation. So thanks for sticking with me. Things happen even now. Episode 99. I hope to see some of you on Sunday at the live episode. Happy Thanksgiving, and thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy the 99th episode of The Compass. So the question that I always start with is, what do you do to try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist? Oh, um, what I 
do to not go to the dark side? And what is the dark side most often for you as well? Oh, I think the dark side for me is usually just feelings of self-doubt. Usually if, if, if I have enough grounding in myself and just, yeah, if I, if I feel like I'm connected to, to myself, whether I'm in a good mood or a bad mood or whatever, and I just feel like I know who I am, what I woke up today to do or am interested in, the, the highs and lows don't feel, like it doesn't feel dark necessarily, it just feels like life and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the days where there's like just this overwhelming amount of doubt and like yeah. I don't know, yeah, what it is that I'm looking for or or, or what it is I really want. Like that's that's when things can, yeah, get, get just icky and, and fuzzy and, and really hard to navigate. Um, but what I do to either not go there or find a way around it or inside yeah. of it, I, I think I'm just really lucky to have, one, a really – beautiful uh group of people in my community uh I have it's you know folks that I like to call like my tribe here that are just um since I'm so I'm from California originally so I don't have like family or necessarily even um friends who've known me over the past you know four or five years but luckily like through that I found people who do feel like family now and take enough time to you know, give me some tough love if I need it, but also, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I got so lucky to get people who have just such beautiful outlooks on life, who yeah. really, like, their work is centered around caring around, uh, caring about people and opening their hearts very genuinely to other people. So I'm lucky. I'm yeah, I'm very lucky that I have folks here who are just a phone call away, or you know a a train stop away for me to go just shake things up a bit. Um, I also, I I have a background in uh, visual arts also besides being an actor. So like I used to design mostly, um, which was like a thing for for like a good six years or five years. So a lot of time just uh, painting for myself and, uh, you know, painting and making some sort of visual art. Yes, it's like a physical meditative thing that makes me slow down, but it, I think what I usually get out of it more so is it it's a practice I have to like rem, how do I put it like um reminds me to appreciate what I see as beauty or hmm. interesting and sometimes um or maybe it's not that maybe it's you know me uh, painting or drawing or creating something that's a representation of whatever negative place I've gone into right. but usually it's it'll start that and it, I'll usually end up drawing something that I just find really like whimsical and fantastic and like or I just think it's pretty and silly and it yeah it's just a practice I have I think like uh, maybe like how some people view playing music or dancing or, or something like that that just gets me a little uh in a little childlike wonder place and get lost in it for a bit and stop taking myself so seriously usually exactly. when I'm in those <laughs> uh, but oh that's awesome yeah yeah and that mm-hmm. is something that you can do by yourself when you aren't able to reach out to community or whatever yeah that's so wonderful that's, yeah and speaking of like I like just like turning on some music and 
dancing around. I, I like going just to, I mean, I am someone who, although I, I really enjoy being around people and I'm like, I'm a theater artist, so I enjoy groups of people coming together. I'm also someone who's very introverted. So mm-hmm. having time by myself to like recharge my own batteries and uh, is I'm learning is very important for me. And uh, so I can be open to other people. So sometimes it is just like sitting in my room for a while and being okay with daydreaming. And maybe even like having thoughts that spiral out to whatever. And then like bringing myself back or, you know, with um, try to get better about meditating. And mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of them are just the ways to like center myself back down to, to me. Cause usually it's, it's, uh, you know, negative places usually come in comparison and things yeah. that are outside of myself. Uh, when usually, uh, I have a, a fairly strong sense of self or like believe in the, um, in the hope of, uh, uh positive things that can happen for me and for other people so usually if I can get back to that I and I just weed through all the the stressors and the usually fake things that are popping up they're usually mm-hmm. just thoughts that make no logical sense to why they're upsetting me right. some things yes you know there's some crazy horrible obvious you know crap going on in the world right now but I can't change all of those people but I can yeah center myself yeah Yeah. no it's hard when you know the thoughts you're thinking are irrational yeah (laughs) but you're still feeling it (laughs) right and like I've loved all this like conversation now of like learning to honor those things and that it's not like it's not like positive thinking and like which means like oh any negative thought you just can't even embrace or spend time with um and learning what that means to one, recognize those thoughts, embrace them as whatever they are, while still observing that sometimes they're irrational. Um, but I'm learning that, that balance of, <laughs> you know, positive thought, but also not a, I guess unrealistic's not the word I want to look for, but. Uh, I know, I always have yeah, trouble yeah. with like, um, like self-help books or things that yeah. are, uh, you know, I enjoy a good positive quote like yeah. anyone else, <laughs> but um that kind of like blanket wash of positive thinking mm-hmm. doesn't really sit well with me when I think there's something to be said for like acknowledging the feelings that you're feeling. Yeah. You know, while they're passing through you. And well, that's, that's a something. valid thing. And then also, you know, knowing that optimism can be productive, but. <laughs> yeah, and I think I'm someone who's usually, are, I, yeah, I've, I spent a lot of my time as a person whatever I haven't had that much time but you know, <laughs> as a human as a human um I I think uh putting positive thought and optimism at such a high level of like I can think my way out of this I can right. I, I can spin it you know rose-colored glasses on as often as possible um and just yeah knowing where that line is where it's the difference between you know having a great deal of hope but being able to like embrace the humanity of whatever's happening, but not you know, yeah, not becoming blind to, to yeah, things to reality to, in yeah, a way. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So when did you get into acting? If you were doing visual art before, tell me a little bit about that. So 
I, I guess like the first experience acting was like when I was a kid, like six in like church plays and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but my family, my mom was a dancer, my dad was a musician. And so like I grew up in a very artistic family. So like, uh, and I was someone who, you know, wasn't necessarily like the best mover or didn't gleam on to dance in that way also wasn't like extremely skilled in music and I found like language and just people and pretend really interesting young and then you know like I I was lucky enough to have yeah resources where I could do community theater youth theater uh, all the way through to I did junior college before going to undergrad and had a really actually like really fantastic uh teacher who was just like all about us uh he used to always call it like he would always like want us to be just like rock star actors like that was like always his thing he's like like steppenwolf like steppenwolf with uh laurie metcalf he's like that's what i want for all of you like just to be rock stars I mean, uh, laurie like, metcalf there's worse things to oh my, like <laughs> I just remember, like it, it was like she was like the pinnacle like anytime huh. you talked about someone like it was like, was this in california in california yeah yeah and so the plan was to be uh, to just keep on with acting. And then, and I think because it was all of a sudden, you know, I'm an adult and I want to do this as a career, I hadn't thought about all of the logistics of that, all, all of what that would take yeah. from like my own person. And unfortunately, it, fortunately and unfortunately, like it, it, I made the decision to step away from acting and see what else was available to me artistically. Uh, and I went into design. I had some like really lovely uh, costume design teachers. Also, uh, there was a fashion department. I like went all over. Like I wanted to be a fashion designer. I wanted to be a fashion illustrator. And then I was a costume <laughs> designer and I was like welding in the shop. And, and when I went to undergrad at Cal State East Bay, I went as a design student for costume and I had told myself you know like this this whole year you're at a new school it was in the bay area and i said you know i wasn't going to tell anyone that i was an actor i was like Hmm. i'm not an actor starting fresh yeah exactly and just like seeing what this artistry was because i found designers were usually more um empowered uh to speak their mind and have like that they're brought in the room for their vision right um and i found it really empowering um but then of course, there was like a play that came along as a, uh, they were workshopping a um, play of Nambi Kelly's Extigny, which is like this uh, adaptation of Antigone, but placed in Chicago. And I was like, no, I want to go out for this. I had read, you know, like a friend of mine's sides. And I was like, oh, like I used to act like maybe I'll try. And I was able to do that play and it kind of just yeah. spread. And I was like, oh in. God, I love this so <laughs> much. I love language and I love, but I, uh, and then, you know, I went to, I did an apprenticeship in, uh, at Actors Theater of Louisville to really, like, uh, be in a theater company again, away from family, away from everything, and see, like, oh, can I uh, handle this life, and is this something, and, you know, luckily I met your husband Frankie, I met all these, like, wonderful people who had gone to grad school and had been training and had, you know, done the whole New York thing, which to me, like, right. I hadn't even really considered New York like all I wanted to do was be like uh the really cool actors 
who were in San Francisco and like the whole plan was just to like live in San Francisco and then went on to grad school. Did that happen right after Louisville? Yeah, I knew when I went to went for the apprenticeship that well before I went because I I did a junior college so I was a little older than a lot of people who were coming into the apprenticeship or even at uh, undergrad like I was already you know close to my mid-20s and I'd realized oh I haven't been training like everyone else I didn't I hadn't been doing plays I hadn't um, so I went into the apprenticeship looking for uh, guest artists and people to prepare me or at least talk to me about their experiences of where I could go train in grad school seemed like the route for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the so part of me going into the apprenticeship was yes to see like a, a you know, running theater company that's right. doing new plays. But you knew that you wanted to find some tools. Yeah, because I, I just had... the next step. Yeah, like yeah. the... My interview for school, I remember James Bundy like asking, like, "Oh, you know, why do you why do you want to go here? Why right now?" Which I guess you know all schools ask you. Uh, but I was like, I just don't want, I don't want acting to be a fluke. I don't want to go into the room, and because at, at that time it just felt like, oh, sometimes it's fantastic, and other times I have no idea why right. I just crashed and burned. Like I have no idea. I don't even know if I'm holding up other people or if I'm being a a strong enough collaborator if I and you know I had self-doubt because I'm like I don't know if I'm reading this play for what I need to be it was information instinct at that point yeah which like I was like oh I know there's something there because sometimes it works out yeah but that's not really a thing to say I want to I can go make money at this and make it my life no but that's huge that you even were able to articulate that that was what you needed you know which I think only because I was just a little older. I was yeah. just like, I'd, you know, done the whole, like, I'm going to be a designer. And then, like, oh, wow, you can't just, like, say that and not. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I don't need to take a studio painting class or anything. So, yeah, yeah I think there was just, yeah, I was uh, happy that at that moment I was just a little honest with myself. Like, I'm not ready to move to New York. Like, I need training. And, yeah, I was just very, and, like, Yale wasn't even on the the game plan it all it was like a last minute audition I decided to do because someone was like oh we get paid nothing as apprentices so like you can actually like go audition at Yale for free and I was like oh I guess I'll try it (laughs) but it ended up being one of like the yeah I mean the thing I absolutely needed that's great and now don't they pay for the MFA program yes so or it's mostly funded yeah and it depends on like um which department you're in like I know if you're an actor like when I came in there's a uh, there was a a loan you would have to take but it was um, very small and in, in comparison to uh, how much universities usually right. cost I think mine was like 5,000 or something but everything else is covered you get a you know a stipend twice a month for your housing for like every, everything I remember when they started doing that and I was just at <laughs> my like job was on the ground it's you know, not like I'm here you know just like doing my day jobs and whatever and I see folks who are in undergrad and like navigating New York bartending and uh, you know waitressing or doing yeah. doing whatever they got to do and I'm like god if I oh, it takes had a to do that weight off your shoulders while you're in school 
yeah, I mean, I could be the, like, I just feel very privileged that for three years I felt like I was able to make up so much time because I was, yes, a lot of us were, like, running ourselves ragged, but it gave you this space to do that. Like, I could be an artist the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep, and yes, the, um, the scheduling is, you know, very crazy, and there's a lot of rehearsals and whatever, but there was still, even because of that, you know, those, like, late 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 night hours and studio space is always open that people were constantly like making their own shows and writers bringing folks over to like not just you know to like read their new script to do this so they could send it off to this and because there was no reason for you not to because you don't have to pay for like you don't have to you didn't have to be working a side job at the time yeah so just take advantage yeah that's amazing. And then you, so you've only been out for like a year and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just <laughs> and it's like still so weird. <laughs> but how, how do you like being in New York? I mean, the opportunity here is just crazy in the most beautiful way. I mean, I get like knocked on my ass every day by New York. Like she yes. just, I think, just like laughs at me every time when I'm like, oh, waking up and you know, getting a cup of coffee and like, yeah, I can do something. I know exactly where I'm going. I know which way the trains run now. And, you know, and then there'll be something where you're an hour and a half late to like what feels like the biggest right. opportunity of your life. Right. You're like, oh God. Yeah, that is an interesting thing. <laughs> like figuring out your relationship with the city and it can yeah. be such a love-hate relationship. Yeah, and at least I've started to realize like, it just, like it's like, it, there's no point to like push against it. Like just like, yeah. You just like have to like run with it all the time, like just <laughs> and just like for whatever it's saying. Like I started realizing, like, hey, Shalia, like you're gonna be late sometimes. So you, you can choose to freak out, true. or yeah, or yeah. just like be all right. be, this is be all right. Yeah. <laughs> so what are we gonna do? Great, we're not gonna freak out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is just yeah, the opportunity, the amount of community here. Like, ja, I, I mean, I've been able to, you know, meet artists who who are part of the foundation of why I'm able to do some of the things I do. Like artists who, uh, because this is a hub where everyone comes to kind of like prove themselves, like you can literally meet anyone at any given moment. Like I, like we were just talking earlier about, oh, like I've met like four or five of the people that you've interviewed before yeah. all through just the fact that we're all in such close proximity to one another. Like I've probably seen someone's work randomly on a Tuesday when someone's just sent me a text that this thing is happening and it's been some like the most uplifting work that I've needed to see yeah where I just think in in other cities like I would assume that that's probably harder because it is you know you buy your unlimited little pass when you can and then you you're literally there you can see anything there's so much free stuff going on I mean yes there's stuff that's like wildly expensive you know I still haven't seen Hamilton but I you know but it's like and that's okay because right. I still have those people who've gone through there I've seen them at some random small thing that they've done where exactly. I've seen them shine incredibly so yeah it's yeah. it's interesting like the the hierarchy like exists but it's mm-hmm. also everyone's so on top of each other in this city that you're gonna wind up meeting people and running into people who you who you deem like as on a different level or whatever yeah you're all gonna end up knowing each other and running into each other anyway yeah which is that's just a fake thing anyway the hierarchy doesn't it doesn't really exist yeah yeah (laughs) I'm not articulating that well but um, no but like I 
I think I felt like that it would just be like so hard to meet people here or and that's even a thing I have to like talk myself out of constantly now like oh like oh I want to I want to like write a film I want to do this I want to figure out how I've seen a dance show wouldn't it be really cool to be in a dance show there's no reason why I couldn't be doing any of those things like all these people and like the nice thing about New York this although it's competitive for sure seems like a lot of people are really open to opening up their work to other artists and knowing that like all of us are like you know hoping and praying for that you know job that'll pay us a ton of money but if we want to keep feeling like artists and being artists it has to be with like hey come to my table whenever you can if you can't feed me I can feed you right now with whatever's creatively on my mind I mean that's a I guess the reason why I'm still here after year because year one out of school is so rough and I had like I had some amazing opportunities uh after graduation but still being in a new city having skills that you've been using but you know haven't really tested out with folks Mm -hmm. who don't know you very well um can be daunting but the fact that like the community here is just so beautiful has made it feel like a smart choice (laughs) (laughs) so since you're parents are artists what what is their take been on you choosing to be an actor for your career oh yeah I mean I think it's always so funny like uh it's never been the weird thing that I want to be an actor like yeah so it's really like like I always get blown away when I hear like even though I mean I get it very much now of like oh god you don't want your kid to be broke and running around trying to get you know (laughs) approval in different rooms every day but yeah I've never it wasn't shocking to them no I think the only thing was that um it was just interesting that like neither my mom or my dad had all of although they're both artists didn't have the same language as me like there's no other actor um in my family like they like now there's like different ones like I've seen certain cousins that I've now noticed like oh god you're a poet oh this person (laughs) this cousin I I haven't really seen much like she's out in LA acting and so but you know we're distant so we didn't couldn't support each other in that way Uh so it I always had support but it was always it was very hard for me to articulate uh what it is that I'm doing or Mm -hmm. why I find certain things interesting or even just like how I have to work and train and yeah like uh because my mother like she she uh also played piano so like she could speak to my sister uh in a way because she my sister's a musician as well that like I just didn't have the like we collectively didn't have the language to be like oh she's over here like trying to figure out how to like emotionally connect to crying or whatever whatever the thing is and me not being able to articulate like why that's important or why they can appreciate it but you didn't have like the exact shared vocabulary exactly and even now it's still you know yeah like and and it's still it's still difficult trying to even explain like what my artistry and what turns me on in the sense of like a being like the, a vessel of some kind of, you know, and sometimes re- reflecting humanity back to itself, but also like very interested in like my experience and my 
perception of my own humanity, hmm. um, which I know that's laced in like every different art form, but I think it's something really particular when you're an actor and you're like, I mean, I, I get transformation, but like so much of it is still like, oh, if you see me cry, you're seeing me cry. Yeah. No matter who I'm playing, there's something breaking in me right now and I've got to be vulnerable, vulnerable enough to show that. Or yeah. yes, this is me, you know, peacocking right now. Cause guess what? I'm, I'm capable of doing it. I'm capable <laughs> of hurting someone very, very badly or saying something horrible. Yeah. Always, always supportive, but I think we're still, yeah. Learning, learning the language of communicating and, uh, sharing the, the, process of it beyond just like hey guys come see me in a show and you know unfortunately right now like my family's all in California like there's very few shows unless I get to do something that's uh televised or stream or like something on camera that they can see me do uh so it's it's interesting trying to figure out how to talk about it because I can't just be like oh yeah come see me in the play well you're probably not gonna be able to see me in the play (laughs) but yeah um, well, one of the reasons I had reached out to Ceci for recommendations was because I'm interested in talking to people who are artists and mm-hmm. activists. Mm-hmm. And I know she said you were involved in a lot of activist stuff at Yale when you were there. Yeah. Is that something that's always been part of your life? Or um, was it a more recent thing? No, okay, so that, that's been a part of my life for a long time. Yeah, like it's really funny now like just like questions that like have me reflecting back like oh man I had some like really good opportunities as like a young person because my sister and I were both involved in um student leadership programs at a very young age so like we mm. had um or, or yeah I like I had this uh, foundation of knowing that what I do and decisions I make and if I put an effort I can really help someone I can really change events that are occurring around me like I have that power and I've been lucky enough to be um to have mentors around me who empowered me like that at like 10 to to be like no you going sitting next to this kid who doesn't look like you and say be my friend or I'll be yours you don't maybe have to be mine just yet is a big thing that or you know you want to change something in your environment, like go do something or right. speak to the person who has that um, uh, decision power there. It sounds so simple, but that's huge. Yeah, it's just... It, it really I, does start when you're a kid. Yeah, just someone saying like you you can af- you affect yeah. the people around you. You can write a letter or yeah. even though you're a kid, you can set up a meeting. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, so, and, and I was lucky enough to, um, you know be training and you know going to undergrad in the bay area where unlike not that i've you know had time in all the different you know theater and art markets but i think they're really connected to community Mm. and that unlike other places that i've worked at now that it seems more so that the um, artistry is wanting to people's artistry is wanting to uh, stake a claim or something to say like I've done this really well I can do this really well I I'm a um I'm a really good artist hmm. in the sense of like being well trained and like the product's very nice um in 
the Bay Area, I feel like a lot of the art I, I experienced and what really ignited me was all so much for that immediate community, like really could care less who was going to say it was great. Not to say no one was out there like hoping to do a bad job, but it was much more important that, um, you know, knowing who's represented in the room, who, wh what voice is the quietest in our community and how can we, you know, amplify their voice. Uh, what's, what's really, really worrying your next door neighbor and that, and seeing hmm. the community rally around those artists like there's people who have companies out there that don't make a lot of money and you know maybe three out of the five shows you see you'll be like what did I just see and I don't know what just happened <laughs> but the fact that the community will show up every single time to see that new play new dance piece whatever because they're waiting for that fourth or fifth time when they're like we're gonna go on this like journey with you for years to see you you know mull over whatever big life question because they know in these next or they're going to see something amazing and they know yeah. that you've thought about them and and there's stuff like you know san francisco mind troop and you know like the black panther party like oh everything yeah. is just like well, that area oozing. has such a history exactly activism and protest yeah that i think like i didn't even i had never even heard of like artists and theater not being synonymous with social justice work mm until um, I left California. Like I didn't know that there were people who didn't think that they, that it was hand in hand. That's um, incredible. Yeah, like I, I was so blown away. I was like, whoa, I didn't know. Like not that I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was very like jarring at mm. least. So yeah, my um, foundation was that art is supposed to affect the people around you and affect you and that it's this um shared experience yeah oh that like got me like a little emotional just like even thinking about that's making me emotional too yeah sorry <laughs> i was just like oh, that's how i wow. want that's how i want the theater to be everywhere and it, it, it's a little i don't know i i actually it takes me so long to understand this um like i i remember being at the i had like a I was with my classmates actually at school, and I remember like we were all we were all going through our artist woes and having some <laughs> big blowout in class, and everyone was mad at everyone, and everyone's upset about wherever yeah. they're at. And I just remember being really, because it was they were talking about like maybe I think the top was like work ethic and um, uh, people really, you know, coming after each other for who's working harder, who's bringing the best to the table, and whatever. And you know, and all this out of like love and fear and and uh, and I just remember like kind of blowing up and being like I don't give a shit about how good anyone is here like I don't care about anyone's greatness in this room like I don't it's uh, if it's not for for someone else if it's and, and and greatness wasn't even the word it was it was just, it was another word that was on the table like talent or something like talent it was something like that and it was it's just like it doesn't matter if it's not for right. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, it's like you can. Yeah, like it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me why that would be a thing to um, to go. Like, what what do you get if if you find out you're the best person in the room or the world or whatever? Hmm. 
what is like I don't understand what what the give back is except for that maybe there's some uh, adoration but translates to what like it like I it doesn't mm. it doesn't compute um so and that's just like a tangent but while I was at Yale I was lucky enough that I did have people like in my class and in the years above me who invited me into things like folks which is um a black affinity and solidarity group that was founded by Angela Bassett uh, to bring to, to empower the black students there as well as uh, connect them with the artistry that was happening at Yale Rep with August Wilson mm -hmm. being there and being like oh this is a, a misconnection here if we don't rally together. Are, is Yale Rep not really very well integrated with the grad program or does it go well, hand in hand? It does it, I mean it's not there's a lot of crossover, especially with uh, the design departments. You, from my understanding, and I hope I'm not like misquoting anybody, like it, there's um, opportunities for designers to um, like interview for various jobs. A lot of them, by the time they leave, they will have designed uh, a rep show at some point um, or been an assistant or something like that, similarly to the directors, dramaturgs, all the uh, theater management folk like they mm -hmm. they work on those shows like they're I mean some of them That's are just of damn near running right. their thing and then actors also have the the opportunity to audition like I was lucky enough to be in a rep show my uh third year and every actor there will have understudied I think at least twice okay so so you are integrated in a certain way um the only thing that sucks is like the theater's right there and the the schedule is so jam-packed you can't necessarily like, always have the time to go just like watch some really fantastic artists um, just mm -hmm. work. Um, Sorry, side note. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, they, they are connected, but it isn't like um, like for actors, it isn't a, a guarantee that you're going to work at Yale Rep, or or, or yeah. be in there and be except for that you will be able to understudy. Um, but the nice thing is, like, they do try to. Uh, make sure that we know that those artists are available. Um, but I was, oh, but with, so, yeah. Yes, Angela sorry. Bassett, folks, Angela Bassett. <laughs> she, was, she was connecting, because it was a very particular time, and there were so few black actors, or actors of color in general, mm -hmm. that she was like, ah, like, the, like, August Wilson's here, amazing stuff is happening right here, right now, like, we gotta connect. And while I was there, uh, folks, like there were just these beautiful people who were just coming together and wanting to make bring do the complete Wilson cycle and like that was and then like more people started like it, the the organization started to shift to be uh, not only an affinity group for solidarity but also a producing group mm -hmm. um, where we would do reading series and really empower each other to have space to tell black stories because uh, one of the conversations on the table was that, you know, it, uh, and I think at most schools, and but it's getting better, that there isn't a lot of um, material outside of a white canon to practice in and to know yeah. what that means. And because for a black actor, at least for me, it's a different level of uh, vulnerability and stakes for me to get up and play a storyline that could have been my grandmother's story. It is, but of course, it's a very different thing for me to um, 
do a, a play that's, uh, that's maybe, you know, it's thought of for a, a white actor, and I get to grow my empathy that way, but it's like I'm not growing this thing of empowering my own experience to then have a very uh, solid, yeah, solid voice to stand on as an artist. Like, what does that mean to be so close to myself right. on stage? Because I think that's a hard thing, too. And a lot of actors of color don't get that in their training programs. Um, yeah, the, the traditions that a lot of the training programs are built on are very they stick to the tradition so closely that they don't allow mm-hmm. other stories in or more modern plays or different experiences. Yeah. I know I know we recently had for Juilliard a big alumni reunion because it was the 50th anniversary of the program. Mm. Congrats, Juilliard. <laughs> Yay, Juilliard. Um, but I know that they, in one of the speeches, they specifically said that they're working with this company, Art Equity. Yes, who's she? Uh, Carmen Morgan. Who is with that? Oh, sorry. Okay, love them. Great. Yeah, love I, them. I don't great. know that much they're, about them yet, but I was excited oh, that they God, they're that they're specifically working with them to kind of reevaluate where mm-hmm. the program is and how can they do better and how can they think broader. And um, so I was excited about that. Ah, that makes me so I know happy. It's, you know, some of it they've been working with for a long time, and some of it it's like it's late, but they're trying. <laughs> so yeah. it's like okay. Well, and that. Um, and I know you know Mauricio Salgado. Yes. He, oh, I know he man. said he just did a, he like posted in our alumni Facebook group and said that he just did a training program with them. So mm-hmm. it seems like anything Mauricio's I'm bored with, I'm on board with. <laughs> yeah, that talk about, oh, I've had, Mauricio's been someone who's, although we've, we have never met, we've had these amazing phone conversations. Cause, and this is going to tie back to your question of just like activism at Yale. But part of the reason why I uh, felt empowered to do some of the work that I was doing with other students and affinity groups there was because of uh, Mauricio and works uh, that he was doing at Brown Trinity and their uh, a demands letter that, that they posted or had, um, I mean, they had a whole week long of events of them right. really trying to deconstruct uh, their training and open up space for conversations that they felt weren't happening and they had kind of like come to a a wall that like it it needed to happen right then but similarly at Yale uh there were there was myself some uh some of the leaders from folks as well as uh, Asian potluck which is the Asian and Asian American uh affinity group a collectivo that is uh, Latinx uh, students. Uh, and this is all just within the drama program. Yeah, this. The, I I was just really lucky that in That's my last year, like there were just these groups that started um, popping up, and I and I felt happy about the work we had been doing with folks because I think happily there there were um, students in who identified in in ways that. Uh, weren't wi- widely represented in the industry who started to uh, use the folks model a little bit and then you know change it for what their community needed and you just saw this like blossoming yeah. of just uh activist leaders all across uh the school of drama the school of drama isn't that big and also at the same time there were all these amazing um specifically like black queer women and Latinx mm-hmm. leaders from the undergrad who were just 
like taking on um, uh, the the naming uh, of the Calhoun College and uh, really like going after like uh, really embedded racism in the overall university. Hmm. Yeah, it was just like a really exciting time that people, I mean, unfortunately, uh, a lot of it was, uh, it's just going to make me emotional, but that's just what's going to (laughs) be. Just like with how how much just uh, murder and hate was happening and what was happening you know, on our, our campus, like, I mean, I, I was so upset how I didn't really know the, the, the everyday struggles of a lot of the, uh, brown undergrads and what they were facing in, in a, a, you know, very prestigious Ivy League school. Right. Uh, that made them feel very belittled and dehumanized and, um, yeah, I just feel very privileged that I was around so many students who just like were sick of it and willing to put um, their opportunity at this school online on on the line. Because I knew even for me, like we were the like these uh, various affinity groups, leaders of those different groups came together, and there was also you know uh, an a white allies group as well uh we all came together and we um uh with the help of of you know going around to like all all the students there was many students who who were willing to sign you know wrote a demands letter to our faculty and we mm. all like came together and you know this was over like um months of us meeting together you know after classes at like midnight because uh, we were all like hey we're the some of the leaders in our various communities, like we, we can't be sitting in this like seat of privilege and not do something at least within our own school. Like maybe, yeah, this won't uh, change a cop's idea the next time he, you know, sees a, a black person in a car or just like living and not want to hurt him. But um, and that's not to, you know, eh, whatever. Um, but like we can change the, um, or we can stop accepting the limitations of our education right now that uh, that belittle or dehumanize our experience, and not, and not just like um, stop it, stop it, uh, accepting it, but also take responsibility that like I've you know me as a a black woman at Yale. I've been invited to be an artist here. I've uh, I, I've been, you know, ex- accepted by all these uh, different leaders in our community who want to teach me and collaborate with me. I have a responsibility to show up with my experience and challenge them, or I'm not holding up my half of the deal. So, yeah, I was lucky to to be with those folks and like pen a letter, a letter of demands. We sat down with uh, our administrators one night with a, you know, and, and none of this was easy or clean or um, always even the most productive. But uh, I think in that moment, a lot of conversations that weren't uh, given room were starting to. And even like now I see folks who are in the first and second year right now at the school and 
you talk to them about uh, the education, you would have no idea that conversations like this were having to be had in um, dark rooms late at night. Really? You know what I mean? Like, they, 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 like, you see these, like, wonderful, like, queer artists who are just like, why wouldn't I live as out loud as I am? Like, of course, like, I demand, you know, this piece of work and this artist here and, you know, I'm, I might. And it seems uh, like the program is more receptive to it now because of those conversations you guys had. I think so. I think so. It's really exciting. Yeah. It makes me very, very happy. Like, I mean, yeah, you look at these classes and like, they're the brownest and queerest, like the school has ever been. And it's beautiful. And you see, um, people just getting challenged and like, I'm so excited for, like I'm, I'm excited that the things me and the other leaders at the time were uh, worried about bringing up is everyday conversation there. Like, so I, I don't necessarily know like uh, how day-to-day classes are, but I do know it's, it's a more open place to discuss those things. That's huge. I mean, it's the first step, but that's huge. Yeah. To just be able to talk about things. And be ready for it to like <laughs> it should, be messy. Like yeah. it's okay. It's okay that. I mean, you see it happening throughout our society right now. Like how much we just need to be able to at least talk about things. Yeah. And it can be so fraught. Yeah. And it's. And it's really hard because it is. There are so many um, injustices that are so laced in our just straight up foundation of our country um right that the uh how do you even start yeah how do you yeah. Even start to try to fix anything and and even with that like the the nice thing with um the different uh, students and artists i was around um everyone was um one honest with like i can speak from my uh, experience. My experience is also like I'm I'm a, a light skinned black woman. That's a very particular experience. I'm a also someone who grew up in California. Right. Very very different experience of like my blackness or conversation to it or even just um, you know California just kind of has this overall idea of uh, whether it's genuine or not. Like we're all one and we're the melting pot. So like an app can be a positive and negative hmm. as well. And, and when it comes to like knowing what to do, it's like one, like you have your experience, like that's truth, sorry, no matter what, but it, it's gonna get challenged. But if you can at least like sit in your truth and have a conversation with someone, something's gonna come up that the other person didn't know. Just because, like, I, like, even sitting across from you, like, I, I'm never going to have your experience, but mm-hmm. me as, like, a human who wants to be more compassionate and empathetic, like, I'm counting on you telling your story and your experience because I'm never going to know that. Yeah. Like, and, like, we owe that to each other because we're, yeah, like, we will, like, I was having a conversation with another friend the other day of, of how interesting that is about, like, uh oh, like, what does it mean to, like, take care of your fellow human beings? And, like, we were, like, going down this, like, spiral. I'm like, oh, well, why is that even necessary? Like, why 
why is that needed? Um, beyond the fact that it just like sounds nice, but just that, like you can only live this one experience, but that's not your singular experience isn't enough to get the full beauty and breadth of this life. And especially for us who are uh, artists. Yeah. And we want to tell the truth. Well, that's what, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, our country's so huge. And I, I worry about people who don't have the curiosity to seek out other people's experiences. Yeah. And who really do live in an area where everyone else looks like them and they don't need to interact with people who come from different backgrounds or different income levels or whatever it is. And I know there's something with most artists or there's something that I see in the people around me that have that curiosity where they're actively searching out other stories and other um, people's experiences to try to learn more about what everyone else is going through. Mm -hmm. I wonder, I wonder what those people who just don't have that curiosity how how they <laughs> how we can reach them or how they can expand their view I don't know some pe- some people love that isolation right because it doesn't make them stretch or challenge themselves or you know it's painful to grow sometimes yeah well, anyway I, I don't know where I'm going with that but I I do I worry about that and I think it's like cause I think yeah like for us as artists we have that curiosity and that's like why we have to like keep creating because it's this and even like I think sometimes beyond creating it's like we have to keep connecting we have to keep connecting to like whatever that um curiosity is and I think because like we have that need and just like innate uh driver that you're right like not everyone has like I feel like it's again like it's our job to then see, um, yeah, what is this dude who's like sitting on a mountain right now who like only needs to talk to like the three people he sees? I don't know if, if even this guy, <laughs> but you know, like, he only has to like see a few people and his routine is just fine. I wonder, uh, yeah, just like what it is that he values and finds. Um, wildly necessary in its life because mm. it might just I, I wonder I wonder at least like it for us who who yeah connecting to people and empathizing is easier or just a thing we uh yeah gleam towards like what is um, is there a reason why we're we just have like such an uh, overflowing amount of that because there's other things that, like, I mean, I'm no angel. Like, there's other stuff that, like, I should care about that I don't as much. Right. Like, you know, like, it's, uh, like, I'm learning, like, I got to learn to care about this environment more. Like, I have to learn, like, what this right. means. Um, whereas someone else who maybe can't see his or her neighbor very well can, like, really see why that, like, tree's going to fall down next mm-hmm. year. Or it's going to grow really strong, right? We all we all have the the lens we see things through. Or the, there's so many things to learn about and care about. Yeah, and how to and how to just link across. And then also, I I mean, and this is just like my big hope. <laughs> <laughs> like I just like I just think it's so unfortunate that there are 
so many ways we can do good and then like so many ways we can do such like bad and the and I mean and these are very general uh, terms (laughs) but just like you know hating our neighbors like uh, wanting to like tear people down like whatever that is um or holding some really strong um uh, prejudices and uh stereotypes of people like if anything if there was just a, a way like I don't know what it is to just for, for it not to be that easy like I feel like it's in certain places in the country and again like I can only speak about this country like it is so easy to be a racist it is so easy to be a misogynist it's it's so easy to be all of these things and never be challenged yeah. never to have never even realize that that's not how everyone lives their life. And I'm sure that that uh, is tied with, and this is something I have to work better at, but, um, you know, of course, like uh, changing policies and laws to where uh, pe- like people have no, because that's the, that's the sad thing, like certain dehumanizing points of view are supported by our laws and legislations. So... In this country, it is easy to stay a racist and to uh, stay a misogynist, all these things that it's it's hard to even, to me, like, yeah, we can, we can go and think, like, like, what the big conversation or what people keep saying is, like, oh, if we could just change the Midwest's idea of da-da-da. It's like, that's just so uh, silly because why, when they are in a country that supports uh, most of their viewpoints and again not that every uh one in the midwest has a negative view of someone who's not like them because obviously the east and west (laughs) coast have just a wildly negative view of people they don't know yeah (laughs) but just like you can't just it's very hard to tell someone to not be racist or not be a misogynist when their country is built on it and thrives in it and 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 is supporting examples of people in power who yeah are thriving that way my hope would be that I just hope that there's just a time when it's just not so easy to stay in those mindsets. Yeah. Because it's fine to, like, not know certain things, to not, um, uh, until, until you get a, a resource or something that will open you up to a new idea. But it's just so sad that so many people don't have the resource or, or they've, they've no, they can, um, wake up in the morning racist, go do every single event of their life in that day, and then go home racist and not once be challenged by it. And I think that's so unfortunate. And I'm, you know, happy that, like, we are in, like, the age of um, so much media and, like, internet connect. So, like, you hope that there's, you know, now all this influx of information and just now it's like, oh, well, what are people going to do with it? You hope that it's a positive influence and not a negative influence. Yeah. What's the thing? It's like all the information is going to be out there now. Yeah. And all people the can, biased information. It's interesting because it can be like such a tool for change and like you can find, learn, you can learn about anything you want online, but then you can also you can learn anything find, you want. find <laughs> yeah. the people who are only going to support your, your um, narrow view about whatever too and just keep yourself there if you really want to. Yeah. Anyway, these are very large, large ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about um, 
maybe these are two separate questions, sorry. Uh, the ways you're still feeling like you're taking action in your life mm-hmm. since you left school, now mm-hmm. that you're in this larger community of artists in New York, and also like functioning now within the industry and mm-hmm. the parts of your creativity that go towards traditional auditions and TV work and the structure of the industry, like how you're finding a way to stay, mm-hmm. stay an individual and not yeah. feel like you need to fit into their <laughs> to their uh, mold. Hell yeah, I mean it's hard. It's uh, <laughs> um, I mean, well, okay. Uh, with sorry, those were kind of kind of two different questions, maybe. <laughs> no, that was great because knowing me, like I'm gonna ping from like this corner to that corner. Okay, that good. One, so hopefully it'll just like keep me bouncing around. <laughs> but at least from okay, so from school and things, I've been able to hold on to. Um, uh, well, uh, a lot of the uh, friends and, and leaders of those different affinity groups, like we still have an email chain together. We still know what's um, going on with folks. Like, Are a uh, lot of them in New York after graduation? Uh, a lot of them are. Yeah. A lot of them are. Um, Hi, guys. So this is the small section where we missed the audio. Basically, Shalia is saying that um, now that she's done at Yale, the work is continuing there with the current students. She's being inspired by what um, older alumni have been reporting back from the ways they're continuing the work out in the world. But right now, being a year and a half out of school and living in New York, she is consciously taking a bit of a step back from activism to learn about the new city and listen to what is already being done around her, what other people are already doing here and what is needed um, before she steps back in. So here we go. Activism, and specifically, like I'm not, I'm not from New York, and New York is just riddled with so much uh, beautiful history of activism and just people obviously uh, fighting for their their place in the world and and their like biggest most beautiful dream so part of like this year is like I really felt like I needed to just like be here and see what I'm in before I'm like I got something to tell you about (laughs) see what's already happening and see what I can support and then notice where I have a uh, a particular thing that someone else might not have yeah. had experience to, and then yeah. place that. That's smart. And then when it comes to industry, I'm still trying <laughs> not to be in the boxes. And yeah, it's just I feel like it's easy sometimes because you know you want to get the job that pays you money. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be intimidated by the people who have power instead of seeing it as they want me to come in the room with who I am yeah. and with opinions, it's easy to kind of go in and be like, what do you want me to be? Yeah. <laughs> if I have a thought run through my head, like I'm just so mad when that thought pops, because yeah. it's so... It's, or let me just be agreeable and be easy to work with and... Or auditions where I'm like, I'm, I am I like, am notorious like in my own little room by myself of like spending so much time thinking about like, oh, well, what do I need to wear and how should I wear my right. hair? How should What's I do my headshot this? look like? It's just, yeah, like should I really update this part of it instead of worrying about like, am I going to kill this like this <laughs> piece of like language right now and come in yeah. with like a person that they can see, which is unfortunate, but it. No, I understand that. Yeah, you know, and it's like, <laughs> uh, and I'm glad. Just it's just so. Uh, and there's just like things with like still being a, a woman in this industry that. No matter how much everyone is talking about, you know, different the 
faces and what and body types whatever that are being put out i mean it's there's still uh things that are are seen as more marketable and you know sometimes sometimes i hear it and i'm like okay i see i see the project you're doing i see why you're calling for this um mm-hmm. oh no it's um it's a film about a a cyclist who's cycled over like okay maybe you should look like you've cycled all your life <laughs> i get that but the yeah like why do i have to why am i thinking about do i look sexy when i'm going in for this like detective to be role? a doctor <laughs> yeah. yeah i was like like oh is it i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah and it's just a thing still and, yeah. and starting to uh just be it's it's a i'm i'm at least in a funny place where i'm i'm still uh having that conversation myself of like what's the business what is me as a a business when I walk around and what do I want to represent and like I'm still at that point where some a good amount of casting directors have seen me before but enough to where they have an idea but maybe not necessarily like a solid viewpoint of me maybe I don't know (laughs) maybe they do but they like I can like, trying for it not to be like, oh, what do they want? But, like, I want to teach them who I am. And, and you know, me thinking about, like, oh, do I want to... is th- I have certain ideas of, like, the kind of woman I want to represent on, uh, on screens and on stages. But then there's also part of me that's like, oh, but I'm also an actor who loves to, like, transform and, like, do this thing. So... Right. It, like it, it, it's. I'm just learning. Like it's just a decision to be made, and that it's just trying to stay uh, empowered. That it's my decision. If you are having a day where you're feeling really uninspired and kind of down and out, are there any concrete things that you reach for again and again, like a book or a place that you go or um, music that you listen to? <sighs> yeah, uh, there's a book. Uh, classmate of mine, Janelle Chu, gave it to me uh, randomly when I was just like having a bad day, and she didn't tell me why. She's just like, "You look like you could use this book," and it was called "The Art of Happiness." Okay. Um, and it's these uh, conversations with the Dalai Lama, uh, just going like across, just like, "What is happiness?" I pick. I actually kept that book in my bag almost for like six months straight right out of school and just like keep reading it like on the subway and it really helped um or just put things in perspective music uh I'm like all for any just badass girl anthem that makes me walk around the city like like whatever like Demi Lovato's confident is just Uh like everything right now (laughs) it makes me feel so good um places I get to where I go Oh, well, I mean, well, I guess it isn't in the city, but uh, everybody knows about Prospect Park. But, (laughs) like, anywhere I can just, like, for a little bit feel like I'm uh, not in the city. Or also, it's, like, any place that can just, like, make me feel like uh, the city is manageable. Like, I love that I take the uh, J or the M to work most mornings or if I'm going into the city for uh, an audition from Brooklyn mm-hmm. and that if it's early enough in the morning like the sunrise is either like just happened or you know it's it's just starting to get light out and you go over the bridge and you can literally just like see yourself like plunging into Manhattan right and there <laughs> is nothing more empowering than just being like 
I choose you, like, and I'm gonna, like, yeah. take you over. And the city is really just, just this small yeah, place. Like, you're yeah. just this thing, and you're not that scary. Yeah. I just, and, like, I, like, my last apartment had a rooftop, and just going and just, like, Oof. sitting on the roof, and again, it was, like, I was able to, like, look at, you know, Manhattan from a distance, like, all these things that could just, like, put me, anything that will just, like, put me in a new, weird perspective, I just, uh, appreciate and again introverty type person it just sometimes yeah. just being able to sit in an enclosed like four wall space <laughs> and just have some daydream time. yeah our minds are creative just daydream for a while sometimes just like don't do anything yeah and just there, imagine I think with technology now it's really easy to always have like if you even if you have that time alone in your room like to always have music on or always have the tv on or always have your phone in your hand or whatever and I think to see what your brain will do without it <laughs> let it wander yeah um and then the last question is uh have you seen anything recently that you want to recommend of any art form hmm. been so bad lately I'm seeing what have I seen oh but it's closing now it does that booth theater no anything oh, but did it close I think it closed yesterday what damn it it's okay um no, one of my dear friends, Jordan Castile, uh, Nights in Harlem. Mm. Uh, oh, Casey Kaplan Studio. Well, if you ever get a chance to see any of her work, she's been documenting um, different, specifically uh, black male subjects uh, that she'll, subjects, whatever, get, like folks she'll meet uh, while she's in Harlem. And she's been doing these wonderful portraits, uh, just really. I think uh, visually humanizing black men in ways that they usually mm. aren't. Um, Say her name one more time. Uh, Jordan Castile. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to shout out all my friends. Like, oh, my friends <laughs> do it. Do it. Um, also, uh, too heavy for your pocket about at roundabout theater. My classmate, my classmate Brandon Gill. Yeah. In that. Oh, he's freaking fantastic. I'm trying to see it next week. I really oh, hope I can get in. Oh, it's good. It's really. It's really beautiful. Yeah, and he I, told me that was a Yale playwright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And again, the two people who I think are doing work that is just really so uh, full of love and compassion that I think opens up everyone else to have a little bit more, like, especially with, uh, or it's not, but I know Two Heavy for Your Pocket, like, I mean, that's, it's, it's such a, says on the I'm not ruining anything there's uh you know it does speak about the uh, freedom riders but it talks about a perspective on the civil rights movement that we don't usually get to see which is you know not not every young black person was like yeah civil rights like some of thought that it wasn't being done necessarily in the best way or at the right time or hmm. there was a there was a lot to lose and you get to see it through these eyes of uh just people who are really young you know, it's not the Martin Luther Kings and the Malcolm X's. It's these, you know, broke 20-year-olds and hmm. how they're going to relate to this big conversation of race and what does it mean to have freedom, um, both from these uh, male and female perspectives that I think is really well done. And then, yeah, if you get a chance to see uh, Jordan's work, Okay, uh, yeah. Those are the ones. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. 
Uh, well, Shalia, thank you so much. This was great. Thanks, Leah. It was such a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. If you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of The Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thecompasspodcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to bonus content and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.